Greetings and welcome to Bird on a Wire, a new podcast series presented by the Recombobulation Area and hosted by Lou Ann Bird, featuring conversations on hope, civility, and action. Thank you for joining us. My name is Dan Schaefer, and I'm the founder of the Recombobulation Area and the producer of this podcast series. For episode three of Bird on a Wire, Luann is joined by Christopher Porterfield. Porterfield is the lead singer and songwriter from the acclaimed band Field Report. Yes, that's his music you're hearing in the background right now. He got involved in Luann's state assembly campaign last year in a variety of ways, perhaps most notably by helping create the Bird Songs concert series. Porterfield has continued his journey into political action and is now a candidate running for Whitnall School Board. Chris and Luann have a lot to talk about in this episode and a lot of stories to share, and I won't spoil them for you here, but I'm excited for you to give this episode a listen. The lead sponsor for the Bird on a Wire podcast series is Civic Media, the fastest-growing hometown radio network in Wisconsin, broadcasting local news, talk, sports, music, and sensible commentary throughout the state. Visit civicmedia.us to find your local station and tune in to your community. Civic Media, hometown radio refreshed. Supporting sponsors for the series include Marianne Lubar and Marlene Ott. So, without further ado, here's Luann Bird. Welcome back to Bird on the Wire, where we're continuing conversations on hope, civility, and action. I'm Luann Bird, your host, and I'm here with my good friend, Chris Porterfield. Hi, Luann. We'll get more into who you are in just a second. Who am I? Who are you? <laughs> We're still becoming, in a way. <laughs> yes, you are. We're still becoming. So, Chris, uh, when I got into the campaign and was asked to run for uh, the assembly, I can't remember how it happened, but Chris and I met because he was thinking about running and he wanted to get a good person in this seat. Mm-hmm. And I believe you had been in touch with the Democratic Party, is that correct? Yeah. So we moved to the 84th district in 2020, my wife and daughter and I. And um, in the process of sort of figuring out the political lay of the land, you know who our electeds were and what the district is. And so I started kind of trying to figure out all that stuff. And um, I found out that our previous assembly representative um, had run unopposed, and that kind of bummed me out. And so I got on Twitter and started hollering. (laughs) And then some folks responded said, well, you know, that's just kind of how it is out there. Like, we don't have anybody to run, and do you know anybody next time? And no, I didn't know anybody, just moved here. Um, And then just kind of got in relationship with some folks with the Democratic Party. And then when the next election came around, they asked if I knew anybody. And I gave them a couple names because I had helped out on a school board race right before that. And then, uh, well, one thing led to another, and it was starting to get close to the filing deadline, and they didn't have anybody. And they sort of jokingly at first asked, well, maybe you should run, ha, ha, ha. I didn't want to do that. Um, And then it got more and more uh, 
real as the filing deadline approached and they didn't have anybody. And so met with Greta Neubauer and Evan Goyke for coffee with my wife and I. Greta is the um, assembly minority leader. Mm-hmm. Evan is the assistant, I believe, minority leader. Anyway, he's in the assembly as well. Mm-hmm. Yep, two, two veteran assembly folks. And they kind of laid it all out and talked about everything that was on the line. And uh, it might be time to sort of step up and meet the moment. And so my wife Joanna and I agonized over that for the weekend. And uh, suddenly I get a call Sunday evening. It's Greta. She says, hey, we actually found somebody. So if you want to run, uh, we won't back anybody in a primary. And I said, like no 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 I've never breathed a, a deeper sigh of relief and then yeah it's it's Luann Bird she uh, uh, she was on the school board for a while and and uh, she's decided that she's got the time and energy to give it a try and then you called me and okay. um, I can't remember how that part went yeah yep I yeah. called Chris and I asked him if he would uh, be like to be cabinet on my committee Mm -hmm. so uh, it didn't take long a couple of days and I had my committee formed and so Chris has been with me since the first week that we got into the campaign tell me your why though what was bothering you when Greta called you why are you even considering it because I understood what was at stake I think I think um, you know the prospect of an assembly supermajority and a okay. veto override. Okay. Um, I understood kind of what was on the line there. Okay. And I knew that if something, if that were to take place, and I knew that I didn't try to do something, mm-hmm. it would have been just devastating. Okay. So tell me a little bit more about your background. Who are you and what do you do? Well, um, I am a musician. I've been on the road and recording with a project called Field Report for the last... 11 years or so. Um, I grew up in Minnesota. I went to college at Eau Claire where I met a nice Milwaukee girl named Joanna. And then we moved here in 2006. Got married, like young children. And uh, yeah, we've got a daughter who's six and a half. And that's that's me. Okay. And during um, COVID, you had to, did you mention, yeah. Oh well, step back a little bit. Yeah, which gave was, you some time. Yeah, there was no touring during COVID, and right. so um, I had time and uh, interest and availability. So I got substitute teacher certified, um, and I've been helping out in the Whitnell School District where we are. And um, well, that more happened this fall, but last summer, right? Last summer. Where were where? Here's how it goes. Here's how it goes. I call my kitchen cabinet together now, and we're all sitting around the backyard mm-hmm. in, you know, all sitting on our chairs, getting to know each other, and we're talking about what all needs to be done, and it all has to happen like yesterday when you get into a campaign. Mm-hmm. And this district, we got into the race a little late because the boundary lines didn't get released and finalized in the Supreme Court until early May, yep. and then, so they only had a couple weeks to find a candidate. So um, we're sitting around. I didn't know much about Chris, but he offered to do our social media accounts and our email. And before you know it, 
he's got this wonderful bird logo, which is on the wall back there. And he just started contributing to the campaign immediately. And so that's that's how we, we got started. Um, yeah, I mean, we had to get stuff going pretty quick, and it was before you had a campaign manager, and so mm -hmm. I wanted to try to build some of these things out. Mm -hmm. and have right away. Go. Mm -hmm. So one time I had to run to Madison for an event, and I was on my way back, and Chris and I ended up on the phone together, and it the he wanted to know more about who I was, what you wanted to know more. Somehow you were interested in my story. But I just remember that day, I'm driving back from Madison the whole way talking to you and you asking me all these questions. And so I'm like, well, if you have time, I kept saying, if you have time. So then I rolled through the whole, my whole history mm -hmm. of Phil being paralyzed in the sanitary district, getting, getting on that board and getting the sewer in and all the different things that I had done in my lifetime and going back to school and, you know, spinning forward to moving here and then being on the school board here at Whitnall and working on all these things. So Chris and I had this like 45 minute conversation that day. Mm -hmm. And by the time I got, we got off the phone, you really knew, knew me. I did, yeah, and I think, you know, I think that maybe, well, it helped me understand where you were coming from, and I think it kind of helped you understand where you were coming from, too. Sometimes it can sort of, when right. we tell those stories in a way, in a new way, it can kind of crystallize our past in a way that we can yes. understand and share yes. better. So Chris, Chris and I developed this friendship, but it was also a, a support network where I was processing what I was, I knew what I was there to do. I knew it was time to fix a broken political system. Mm -hmm. And Chris, tell us how you were feeling about the political system at that time. I was frightened and angry mm -hmm. and upset mm -hmm. and disillusioned. Um, you know, Trump had happened, January 6th had happened. Uh, I was suddenly in a new area that, is a lot less blue than I was used to. And so I was kind of looking over my shoulder, like, who are these people? You know, what? where am I? What's going on right now? And, you know, and then the state of um, Wisconsin politics in general, just with the, the, the lines the way they are, and we're living under minority rule. And, mm -hmm. you know, the will of the people isn't done. It was a depressing time for both of us. I think we both identified how depressed we were, worried about democracy, concerned about what we could do to change it. Mm -hmm. And I do want to mention that we live in the suburbs of Milwaukee. We are, I'm in Hales Corners, he's in Greenfield. Mm -hmm. They redrew the lines and this was a new district now. There was no one running. It was, I mean, no incumbent running. So there was a chance to really flip this seat and there was a chance to save our governor's veto because if the, again, just reminding you that if the Republicans got a supermajority, then we, our governor wouldn't have any power. Yeah, so, they could override him. Right. He could say, no, 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 we're not going to do this right. bill. And then they'd be like, yeah, right. we are. So we both knew how important this race was and we figured that out together. Mm -hmm. So we're maybe a couple of weeks, maybe a month into the campaign. And I'll, I'll never forget, you looked at me and you said, maybe there's more I can do for you. Do you remember that moment? Yeah, we were here. We were sitting here. Mm -hmm. And I'll let you tell the rest of that. Well, you know, it, I mean, I'm not a professional political consultant. I've never worked on a campaign before. 
and we're just kind of trying to put this together, figure it out on the fly. We were. And <laughs> no um, pun intended. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the bird puns are endless. I know. It's fun. Endless. He joined my flock right away, early. Mm, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Birds of a feather. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, we were down here trying to figure out like what can we do to raise awareness of you and bring people together and 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 have them come out. And all I know how to do is play music and ask my friends to play music too. And so we we started talking about the idea of maybe a benefit concert in a park somewhere. And maybe that could be a thing. But then that quickly turned into, uh, well, logistically, that's really challenging. And it's a little bit, I don't know, kind of corny maybe. And it, what what good does that really do? And then we started um, talking about, well, you know, what if um, what if we did like more intimate things at people's homes where they could invite their friends and be motivated to... To bring their friends out and then we could have music and then have a conversation with you about uh, the issues at hand and um, yeah and that turned into the series we did called bird songs and we did what five of those six of them? Uh, I think it was six in well five in people's backyards and then the big Cooperage oh, yeah. did a big event uh-huh. again yeah. so Chris comes up with this idea uh, it wasn't mine it was his what more could I do for you? And he he used his, you used your talent, your connections, uh, which were pretty far and wide, to build support for me and my campaign. Mm-hmm. Our mission together was all about civility. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I thought you were starting to really believe we could do it. We could, we could be civil and we could have these conversations. So Chris puts out this idea of... Uh, having a bunch of bird songs concerts in people's backyards. And I'm like, that sounds great, Chris. I, I think that's great. And he was inviting his music friends over for a bonfire. Mm-hmm. And I just said, well, you know, would you mind if I came over? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I we were... invited myself over to his little meeting. Yeah, we, I, I, I reached out to a few people who I thought were both musically and politically uh, inclined and motivated. And I wanted to just have them come over and talk through what it might look like to have some kind of thing. And this was even before we had decided it was going to be, you know, concerts in people's homes. Uh, Mm -hmm. We didn't really know what shape it was going to be yet. Mm -mm. So I invited a few people. I had a bonfire in my backyard. My daughter uh, wrote vote on a bunch of Dixie cups (laughs) and uh, had drinks in the backyard and a bonfire and i was texting with luann saying hey you know i've got this this conclave of of people here um and he was like can i come over (laughs) okay turns out we only live about three minutes away yeah so (laughs) so she came over and uh just kind of held court with a bunch of fearful Mm -hmm. um worried Mm -hmm. creative people I'll never forget the looks on their faces. And I mean, you, I, I'll never forget the tone. They were so down mm-hmm. about the state of politics. And I can't help but feel, I still do feel this way, that how did my generation let down? How did we let this happen in our uh, in, in Wisconsin? How did we let, what's happening to the political world? How are we letting this become so divided, so partisan, that people can't even talk to each other anymore? Mm-hmm. These and, and our younger folks deserve 
better. And so I'll never forget, it spurred me on that this was such an important race for our young people. And then they just all agreed, let's do this. Mm-hmm. Let's let's help. Now, um, so from there... Yeah, things just started happening pretty quick. We we built an organizing committee. Um, we uh, got involved with some other stakeholders in Milwaukee and beyond, and we just started uh, putting out calls to our friends and sort of explaining what it was. And it pretty quickly gained momentum where everybody in the creative community knew what it was, and mm-hmm. a lot of people were asking to be a part of it. So I just thought it was mostly Chris, which which it was. Uh, I did later on get to connect with a few of the con- the musicians well. I purposely wanted to go see them play <laughs> in their venues. You have been to more shows in Milwaukee <laughs> than just about anybody else in the last six months. <laughs> to thank them for what they did for me. And, I, and they had looked into my background pretty seriously. Was I the right person that they could get behind? Not only me, but the message, the whole message of civility. Mm -hmm. So we start doing these concerts in people's backyards. It was very easy to find hosts. It was very easy to find musicians. We all knew well, you know, why we were there. We didn't really bill them as fundraisers. They weren't that. Mm -hmm. They were just concerts in people's backyards. Come and learn about me and my campaign. Mm -hmm. So when I would go to the doors after that, when I was doing door, we tried to do doors in the neighborhoods where we were holding these, um, events and I would knock on someone's door and we would hand out, you know, I would do my political spiel um, and then I would say, hey, you could come to this concert if you would like. And then, you know, here's where the the connection was really good because people would say, I say, I want to change the political culture. That's why I'm running. I think the system is broken, divided. It's not working for us and we need to change it. And they all agree. Yeah, we do. Now, how do you do that? And I say, well, it starts with civility. And I also want to say that we need to get our young people more involved and this is, they're doing it. I could mm-hmm. say, look at all these musicians that are jumping on board my campaign. They don't even, I didn't say this to them, but most of them didn't, almost all of them did not live in my district. Right. But they believed in the cause mm-hmm. and they wanted to see things change. Mm-hmm. So they would come to these events and Chris and I didn't plan speeches at all. Nope. <laughs> no. So we hold the very first one. We just finally set a date and we held it in our backyard and there was maybe 50, 40, 40 people there. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Something like that that came and we sat outside. It was a beautiful night. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just we just talked about the campaign. We talked about why I was running. We talked about how we were feeling and what we wanted to see changed. Mm-hmm. Right? Do you remember that? Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, and you were relating stories from the doors. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, those are mm-hmm. really impactful. There was a dad there mm-hmm. uh, that came who was a Republican. And so I had been having great success at Doors talking to Republicans and talking to anybody really who, who um, was, you know, available to listen, who was available, who was home. I had a great time. I had a great time. <laughs> it didn't matter. <laughs> um, so... Um, there was so I, I asked the dad. I had talked to the to this guy a little bit. He was from Waukesha, and he was you know we had talked in the backyard a little bit about who you know his son and what you know his son was working on my campaign and how you know what what it was like and and why I was running. And he 
So I said, would you do me a favor? Would you come up and would you model for me? Let's pretend I'm knocking on your door and just see how this goes. Because I wanted the audience to see, to hear the pitch and the, the maybe experience the way we can talk to each other about these things in a mm-hmm. civil way. So he comes up there and, uh, you know, I'm giving him my spiel and he's, He's being himself. I'm, you know, I'm a, and finally he says, I'm just going to go off script here. He said, (laughs) do you remember what he said? Oh, what did he say? He said something like, I'm a conservative, fiscal conservative from Waukesha. Mm -hmm. I've voted Republican my whole life or something like that. And then he said, but she's, she's got what it takes, what we need right now. Yeah. he, He said, I can, I really agree and get behind your message about civility and getting along and he wrote a check for two hundred dollars that night yeah so that's the kind of thing that would happen at birdsong's concerts that's the kind of thing that was happening at the doors and we were building some momentum through uh the concerts and do you want to tell me tell you know how were the musicians responding to this to these concerts so well like you said most of the musicians don't live in the district they live in the city mm-hmm. of milwaukee mm-hmm. and so a lot of times milwaukee in, on election day it's a little bit anticlimactic because it's mm-hmm. sort of a foregone conclusion mm-hmm. that you know democrats are pretty safe mm-hmm. in milwaukee mm-hmm. and so they felt like maybe their vote was less important in the situation they were in but now suddenly we were able to tell the story of what was at stake out here very nearby and suddenly this district could be one that determines whether or not the state uh you know (laughs) uh, if if the assembly goes into you know they can override the veto and all of the things that could follow with that and so i think we effectively told the story of what was on the line and they heard that call and wanted to contribute what they had to it um, and that was, you know, their art and their networks and mm-hmm. their energy and their passion. And I think maybe on the first one, people didn't understand what it was exactly. Not, not in the beginning. Mm-mm. But by the end, you know, I, I had friends in tears. They were so moved, you know, about the message and the stakes and just the gifts to be able to do something good. That's what this podcast series is really all about, Chris. It's Mm -hmm. about letting you, the listeners, get some ideas and understand that you can contribute. You can make a difference no matter who you are and no matter where you're at. You have a talent or you have a passion. Mm -hmm. So getting in there and doing something about it is what we need. We all need to join in this movement of fixing our broken political system, of making things work for us and your mission chris created this wonderful miss mission for the whole bird songs thing in the, you know citizens and artists amplifying civility and hope through music and action and what i would observe is when they were done they the musicians felt so good they had just done something mm-hmm. they had done their part they had performed at a concert for me and that was big for them and then they learned some things you know, about my story, my background, about how I jumped in there and made things happen when they weren't right, like for my husband or mm-hmm. the environment, whatever it was, you know, I was able to, I mean, I just made that 
who are a part of who I am of getting in there and trying to solve problems. Yeah, and I mean your whole adult life and political life, and you know, it, you've always just done whatever the moment required. Mm-hmm. And I think modeling that for another, a younger generation, um, and presenting ways for them to do that. You know, a lot of times there's a disconnect between, okay, I know huge picture what needs to happen. I don't know how to connect those two things mm-hmm. from where I am to where it needs to be. And sometimes you just, if, if somebody can just help spell it out, like here's one small good thing that could be really impactful that you are capable of doing. I saw so many people do that on the campaign trail for me. Mm-hmm. My neighbor started bringing over meals once a week because it was getting increasingly difficult. My husband is in a lot of pain all the time and he's paralyzed and he, uh, and it was, I always, you know, brought him a meal in bed every night and it was getting harder and harder to do that. So one thing that he did to contribute to the campaign is he would say, I, Louis would say, go out and knock on doors. I'm perfectly happy with a can of soup. (laughs) He would say that. And then my neighbor figured out, what was going on there and she started bringing me every week I could count on one meal and she would hand write all the directions and I just kept putting them little sticky notes on my cupboard because it was so sweet so that was her way of getting in there Mm -hmm. and taking action and contributing so there are like Chris and I are saying there's so many little things that that you can do that can really make a difference and Phil started like cooking more and doing some things too Mm -hmm. so it was uh, we all were very committed to the cause and it was really neat to see that now Birdsong's concerts also gave me a a way to to tell the stories of the people I was meeting at the doors which was really really fun do you remember (laughs) oh yeah I mean (laughs) yeah all the Trump folks that Uh you were able to actually connect with just all kinds of people. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to um, a, a neighbor here that I'd, I'd never met, really, and it's Will Radler from the uh, the Rosarium, which is a beautiful rose garden in Greenfield. He has um, he was the founder of the Knockout Rose, so he's very, very well known, and his gardens are just beautiful. So I stopped at his door. It w- within 30 minutes, I told him why I was running, and within 30, and he said, well, what can I do for you? And I said, well, would, could we hold a, host a bird songs concert in your backyard? Well, sure. So yeah, within was... 30 minutes, we had his whole beautiful road. We had it planned. We had the date picked. And we were able to hold a beautiful bird songs concert in his backyard. Now, one thing we haven't talked about yet, and that's what happens after the concerts. <laughs> so at the very first concert, um, we ended up sitting around the bonfire. Mm-hmm. A couple of us musicians and the hosts, and this happened at every event. And we just sort of debriefed the event, and we talked, and we had fun, and we uh, we looked forward to that part of the concerts as well, <laughs> didn't we? Yeah, and I mean those hangs would go late into the night, and that you know yeah. that wasn't just campaign people or musicians; it was anybody and everybody. And I mean, it really did sort of harken back to like summer camp <laughs> it did and we became friends <laughs> yeah everybody. we became really mm-hmm. good friends mm-hmm. so uh it was i'm still continuing to try to get to concerts of all the people that uh, performed for me because getting to see them in their own venue is really fascinating to me and i couldn't <laughs> be more grateful for that different thing the other thing that bird songs did for us 
It put us on the map. Mm -hmm. I think the combination of bird songs, the fact that we were doing something different, we weren't doing fundraisers, uh, that we, we were doing, I'm sorry, we were fundraising. Don't, don't get me wrong. Lots of phone calls, a few events, but not much. Most, our biggest, our key uh, event was, were the bird songs concerts. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was what became our signature thing. And we became kind of known for that. So we were getting some press in in, uh, in Dan Schaefer's Recombobulation area. He wrote that lovely article about me and yeah, about us. And then Milwaukee Record did a story on it because this was very unusual. It was very cool to see all these young people getting involved. Mm -hmm. It just was very yeah, well, and inspiring. Especially, especially when it wasn't even necessarily their elected, you know? Right. It was It was outside of their thing, but they were pulled into it and the the gravity was such to to get him going. So I'm watching Chris go from being depressed to being very hopeful, very energized, mm -hmm. very optimistic that we could change things in the future. Am I right? Did you not change during this whole process? I changed a lot. I changed a lot. Okay. I think the you know, you modeling how doing something, taking some kind of action, uh can, um, you know, just get rid of cynicism entirely. Mm -hmm. You know, it's so easy to fall into the temptation of doom scrolling and watching the news and just getting so worked up and worried and, oh, what can I do? There's nothing I can do. Everything is terrible and what's going to happen? Mm -hmm. And, oh, woe is me, woe is all of us. Um, and there's some truth to that. There's a lot on the line and there's a lot that's mm -hmm. a real mess. But as soon as... I discovered through your modeling of it, as soon as you start doing something, it's such a freeing thing. It allows you to put down the doom, the burden of the doom, and actually replace it with something actionable. Yep. Not everyone can knock on doors. Not everyone can mm -hmm. run for public office. So it's not about that. But no. I could. I can. Mm -hmm. I know. I knew I could. I've been active my whole life. I get along well with people. I have a very varied background. And what I've noticed, what I noticed when I was going to the doors was how much hope I was giving the people at the doors. Mm -hmm. Just giving them someone to vote for that was promising, that was modeling it, like you said, that mm -hmm. was not there to share my views and convince you to think like me and then vote for me. That was not why I was there. Mm -hmm. I was also not there just to get the party to win. I wasn't there for that. I was there to get people to, I was there for the people at the doors. Mm -hmm. There's a real different mode when you're there for the people at the doors than it is about, well, I'm here so that you can help me get elected because that's about me. And mm -hmm. I wanted to win. I wanted to win though because I wanted to change things for them. Mm -hmm. That authenticity came through that honesty came through at the doors it came through at the concerts right yeah i think people really responded to that mm -hmm. um and you're right it is a different thing when you're doing it for the person that mm -hmm. you're talking to mm -hmm. as opposed to some kind of ambition or uh, an agenda and i mean certainly you have ideas and thoughts and things mm -hmm. that you would do and, and want to get done, but um, yeah, it is a different thing. It's, mm -hmm. it's a real different thing. Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, I mean, everybody, like you said, 
you, some people can't run for office, some people can't knock doors, whatever. Everybody does have something they can contribute to. Right, right. Something that makes them resonate because they know that they're good at it or they care about it and how they do it and how they present it. Mm-hmm. And if you can share that with somebody else in the spirit of civility and citizenship, I think that's a real beautiful thing. So early on in the campaign, I started... Um I started to realize that people welcomed me and my message, that I was able to build trust pretty easily. So one of the stories I uh, tell a lot um, was about the guy I went to a house and I, you know, our job, when you're a can when you're a candidate, you get these lists and it's, you know, you go to the certain, you don't knock on every door anymore because not everyone votes, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, you knock on the, these doors, and I went to one door, and a guy comes around the corner, and he's got a Trump hat on. And now i gotta, I got to talk to him. He's got this Trump hat on, and he's right there in front of me. And it was really my first first person to face like that. And so I, I held up my little flyer, and I said, I'm smiling and laughing. I said, I don't suppose you'd vote for a Democrat, would you? <laughs> and he starts, he starts laughing and and he goes, well, I said, so finally, I, said, I, I right away said, well, why, what is it about Trump that you that you like? And we started talking. So he starts telling me, well, if I need the sewer cleaned out, I, you know, he's the guy. I think he was referring to clean out the drain the, swamp. the drain the swamp. And he really was tired of politics as it was. But then he started telling me he's a little bit. Uh, he thought he could have tweeted a lot less. And he didn't like all of that about him. And so then he starts telling me about his life. And I start telling, I said, well, you know, I'm running because I agree. I think that the, the swamp is, the political system is broken and I want to change it. And, uh, and then I said, you know, when my husband was paralyzed 32 years ago, I got in there and I worked with people, brought people together and we solved those problems. And I said, that's why I'm running now, because I think we need to change that broken political system. Then he starts telling me, well, you know, I'm a recovering alcoholic and I've been sober for 32 years. And, you know, I I had all these trouble, all this problem in my backyard with some things. And I had to talk to the you know municipality to get that all fixed back there. And he's showing me. And I said, yeah, you know, we need a sewer in our neighborhood. And I had to get that. And I bet after 10 minutes, he finally says, you know, you know, Lou, by this time, we're all on a first name basis. He says. I can vote for you. And I said, well, thanks, Bill. And I shook his hand and I, I go to walk away and I'm like, wait a minute. What, you know, I'm thinking, what just happened here? I turn around and I go back and I say, Bill, can I get a picture with you for my Facebook? Because no one's going to believe this. <laughs> and he goes, yeah. He puts his arms up. You flipped me. <laughs> so I have a picture of me and Bill. And that was early in the campaign. Uh-huh. And that builds belief that if we just listen and talk and sort of find those areas where we agree, mm-hmm. we can uh, we can find that common ground. And I think I got a lot of people to vote for me for that reason. Absolutely. People, people so responded to the fact that you... Mm-hmm. Gave them enough respect to just hear them. Yes, and exactly. To, and to not come at them with your thing, but exactly. to just to, to sit with them and, and to hear them. Yep. So as this uh, bird songs thing gets rolling, Chris, I don't know who came up with this idea, but they decide they're going to do the last event. It's going to be at the Cooperage in downtown Milwaukee. It was going to be a big event. And so... I had nothing to do with this. I just want you all to know I stayed out there, knocked on doors, and made phone calls, and I, I had nothing to do with this event. So they decide it's they're going to do this. Chris pulls together a 
whole committee of people, and before I know it, I'm hearing them say, it's going to be called, We May Well Be the Ones. And it's going to be a benefit concert for you. Now, you know what my inner circles, I never told you this probably. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, this is not a benefit. I'm thinking that. Mm -hmm. This is not a benefit. This is a fundraiser or something, but it wasn't a benefit. Right. But I just thought, no, no, this is about these musicians and they know what they're doing. And I just said, oh, that's great. Then they told me the song. They told me, I had to look up the song. <laughs> we may well be the ones. Yeah, it's a it's a song by Paul Westerberg, uh, who he had sort of like the the seminal punk band, The Replacements, out of Minneapolis in the 80s and 90s. And then he made some solo records, um, and one of them was this song, We May Well Be The Ones. And I don't know, I just felt like... Uh, well, I, we worked with David Ravel, who is yeah. um, uh, an incredible producer who's done so many amazing shows and performances in Milwaukee over his storied career. Got him to come out of retirement to do this show. Um, and he and I were... Uh, just listening to music, throwing music back and forth to each other, and I played him this one, and he's like, I think that's it. I think that's the one. And, uh, yeah, it's just a, it's a, it's a song about, you know, people's busted lives, and, and, uh, but the chorus is, we may well be the ones to set this world on its ear. Uh, if not, then why are we here? And it just seemed to sum up, um, not only, um, I don't want to say the desperation, but the the seriousness of the moment, but also the the hope, and ultimately uh, it's almost like well you'd have to be crazy not to want to be a part of this. That's right. Mm -hmm. It motivated me too. It went. It felt like the campaign was going deeper and deeper into my soul, into my heart, and I was feeling like so moved by this. Like we were mm -hmm. doing something together. Mm -hmm. It was bigger than all of us. Mm -hmm. So so these guys, and again, people donating their time in different ways. The Cooperage donated the Cooperage, and mm -hmm. da David Ravel donated his time, and, and mm -hmm. you lined up like nine different mu musical groups for that, right? Yeah, it was a big lineup. Um, there were tons of people involved, and uh, production team, and artist hospitality, mm -hmm. and um, we had a, a media consultant, and a graphic designer, and the whole thing. Um, what do you think was giving people hope? I know I got feedback about the fact that I didn't talk about my opponent. Mm. Do you think that was a factor? We didn't focus on that at all, right? We focused on civility, hope, change, and action. Yeah, I think, I think there's something to that. I mean, culturally, it's such an adversarial moment where mm -hmm. everything is just us and them, and if you're not fighting them, you're ridiculing them, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and I think people um, felt that you weren't doing that, and that it was different, and thereby a more serious mm -hmm. campaign, mm -hmm. because you didn't do those things, and right. it was, and it showed that I think it was, it was about ideas that were bigger even than an election. Exactly, and I'm... I wasn't consciously having to fight any kind of a feeling to not bash Bob Donovan. I wasn't there to do that. But I was there to show 
people that I was the better candidate, that I felt like I had what they needed at this time, that civility was the way to go, I have the confidence in myself based on all of the things I've done in my life, that I can bring people together to actually solve problems for the people at the doors. And what are those problems? They would tell me them. They would tell me their stories. The one guy who's got a grown son in his basement, severe disability, very worried about where that guy's going to go, you know, when he gets older. I talked to this deaf family this you know i ran into this family it was just so all these people would share with me their stories people were concerned about voting rights people were concerned about women's rights people were concerned about crime in the neighborhoods and guess what it didn't the what, what i found happening is as i built these relationships with people the labels dropped off and then we would find out okay so i might have been talking to a republican but they agree we agreed these issues need to be solved mm -hmm. so you know i would say well you know if you want more of the same you could vote for Bob, but if you want change, I'm your person. Mm -hmm. It was really cool. Mm -hmm. And it was fun to do that, to not run the negative ads. And, you know, perhaps we would have won had we done that. But I wasn't willing to sacrifice the values I stand for and what is needed mm -hmm. just to win. It wasn't about that for me. It was about modeling what's what we want uh the political culture to look like now, how civility can work, how we can listen to people. And I just want to point out that it is not passive. Civility is not passive. Right. Yeah. And, you know, when you first started talking about civility early in the campaign, I, I asked you, like, well, what do you mean by that? Like, what does right. that mean exactly? Then the next morning, you drove over to my house and dropped off a book. And it, that book changed my brain. It really did. The Choosing Civility by Forney. Um, and it's just such a lovely book and such simple concepts, but it's it's elegant in its simplicity and it's easy to understand. And, uh, yeah, and it just makes mm -hmm. sense. Like, when you honor someone with a bit of yourself through giving them respect by listening and just being present, mm -hmm. that, that can change the world it it's what we if we want to create if you are watching this and you want to create change it starts with yourself it started with me i had to learn to be more civil and once i did then i could see the impact that would have on other people mm -hmm. so um the campaign ends and oh the cooperage event turns out to be fantastic we had over a hundred people it's not that you all if you listen to the last podcast Evan Goyke said he's, he's never seen anything like it, me either. It was just so much fun. Mm -hmm. So um, the message is still out there, and some of the musicians describe it this way. We're just chipping away at this. We know you lost, but we've chipped away at bringing civility back, and that's what's cool. Yeah, so, you know, you mentioned a second ago, like, oh, if we would have gone negative, maybe we would have won the election. Well, maybe, maybe that's true, but this isn't about the election. It's about it's about a campaign that goes longer than an mm -hmm. election season, and it's about really changing the system and, and how people operate within it, and making it so that more people want to be a part of it. So now we have Chris Porterfield running for school board. How did this campaign <laughs> impact you wanting to step up like that, or didn't it? I mean, was this something you were going to do anyway? Oh no, I wasn't going to do it. No way. <laughs> No way. Um, I had I didn't aspire to any any public office. I mean, I I have always been sort of 
public spirited in that like if there's a committee that needs somebody I'll be a part of it just as sort of a civic citizenship sort of deal um, but yeah and you know well I found this school board race here in the, the Whitnell School District um, there's a few people that are stepping down and there's going to be a lot of change on the board regardless and um, you know it's a it's a divided community there are there are folks that are um, working with out-of-state groups uh, and they're advancing an agenda that I don't think is good for our kids and so um, I felt like maybe I needed to do it and I came over here to talk to you about it and you just told me to get in your car and you drove me down <laughs> to the office and walked into the district office and said, oh, hey, everybody, this is Chris Porterfield. He's running for school board. He needs his nomination papers. <laughs> there's no, he came over to talk to me. There's nothing to talk about. Yeah. Let's just Well, let's go. weigh the pros and cons. Let's just you know, <laughs> let's get in my car. Let's just get in my car. We'll go <laughs> I knew he wouldn't know that. He didn't know how it works. And I'm like, well, we'll just go get the papers. And I knew he would be in then. I mean, it's just like he's going to be in because I we had been talking about it. So that was really cool. So I've been out knocking doors now with Chris, and I, I just want to kind of wrap this one up with a door that Chris and I went to, because now we're going out together, and it's great. I'm, I'm strongly supporting, of course, Janet Protasewicz to win the Supreme Court seat, because, again, democracy is at stake. Um, and, I, and I would encourage you on April 4th to make sure you get out and vote for her. So, the, uh, so Chris and I are out knocking on doors, and we come up to this door, bunch of flags around it, American flags, and I go up and knock on that door. It has a sign on it that says, like, don't, don't, uh, you know, no solicitation or something. So I knock on the door, and I'm holding up the Janet Protestatewich sign, and he's like, oh, yeah, that's great. I'm going to vote for it. And as we're walking away, you said, I don't think I would have ever gone up to that door because, you know, you kind of associate those right. kind of flags with Republicans. That's another thing that we got to change. Mm -hmm. But I'm most curious about the door where we hit the dad. The, the daughter's name was on our list, mm -hmm. and we hit the dad. Remember that door? And I opened the door. His name was Jim. <laughs> and I'm holding up the Janet thing, and the first thing he says is, do you remember that? Oh, you came out hot. I'm a Republican. Mm -hmm. And I don't understand. And he starts ripping and ragging about <laughs> Democrats, right? Uh -huh. And this one was so angry up front. I almost was going to, this is the first time I ever felt like maybe it's good to walk away. I mean, I was speechless. I didn't I didn't know what to do. I just sort of said they're so stunned. He was furious. He was so yeah. angry. And then he started talking about things like, you know, I, I agree there should be women's rights or something and, and he said mm -hmm. then he starts saying we should be the Supreme Court should be following the laws and not the you know not having these political agendas and blah blah and he was just spouting off like that and I said wait a minute are you telling me that you agree women should have the right to choose yeah I am and you agree I said I, I'm running because I think the Jerry the lines are gerrymandered you could hardly get two words in on this guy because mm -hmm. he was so hot yeah. and and he would say okay he would say, I, yeah, yeah, they're gerrymandered and they shouldn't be. And I said, well, that's really interesting because that's what I think Janet's about. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and then I saw in the background behind this guy uh, children's toys. And I said, do you have grandkids? <laughs> and he goes, yeah, I got 17 of them. And all of a sudden, he's smiling. Did you notice mm -hmm. that? 
and he's laughing and he's going, yeah, I got, I got too many of them, but I got 17. <laughs> and then we start just laughing and goofing off. And pretty soon he apologized. Did, did you remember that part? He said, I'm sorry I was so in your face or something in the yeah. beginning. And I said, that's okay. We can disagree. It's okay. You know, you don't, we don't have to agree on everything. And I said, we can still have a beer together. And remember that as I'm walking away, he goes, yeah, we can have a beer. It was <laughs> the coolest thing you got to. Uh, yeah, the, the switch that flipped in that guy was yeah. it's pretty remarkable. It was cool. Mm-hmm. And as we're walking away, you asked me if I ever worried about it. You know, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, like have you ever <laughs> seriously felt unsafe? unsafe? And I'm like, well, sometimes, but not really, because I could usually talk people down. It's not about, I don't respond the way maybe other people they're used to seeing. So it was a very cool. So Chris, we're out of time here, but thank oh, you for coming on and My having pleasure. this conversation. Good to be um, here. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that we want Porterfield for school board and I'm out helping him get elected mm-hmm. and it feels good, doesn't it? It does feel good. Yeah. It just goes back to uh, rather than, you know, live in crippling worry and doubt if you get up and do something, it feels a lot yep. better. So we got more stories to tell and our next podcast, more people to talk to. And I thank you all so much for taking the time to listen and tune in. And thank you, Chris, for all you did for uh, bird songs and concerts. And thank you. Who Lynn. knows what's coming in the future with music? But did you notice Sarah Godlewski is including music in her events that she's having around the state? I think we've started something here. Very good. That's very good. Yep. All right. Well, thank you all very much for tuning in. And take action.